Welcome to Win the Future, a podcast where we chat with folks who are tackling the most significant challenges our communities face today to make for a better tomorrow. I'm your host, Rep Roaster. This is episode number 13. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Win the Future. This is episode 13 and I'm here today with a very special guest, a friend and somebody who's been kind of a mentor to me, Akeem Bergman, who is the partner at Bergman's Worldly. And Akeem, welcome. Thank you for having me, Brad. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Uh, so Akeem, let's start with talking a little bit about obviously a crazy cycle, a uh, campaign cycle amid a pandemic. Uh, can you talk a little bit about as a uh, direct mail consultant, national level, uh, what you've seen in or like how, how was it? How was it dealing with campaigns even? Uh, well, it was completely different than any, I've been at this now for almost 30 years in working campaigns and uh, it was completely different than anything I've ever experienced or anything anybody's faced. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had to make a lot of adjustments inside our business and all of the campaigns did have to make a lot of adjustments, just like Americans, you know, people across the world had to make adjustments to their daily lives. And from the campaign perspective, there were things that were pieces of the campaign that just had to change fundamentally. And in addition to that, there were, you know, changes in laws to uh, expand absentee voting, for example, mail balloting. Obviously, they got a lot of attention around the presidential campaign, but that changes our, uh, uh, you know, the entire campaign strategy. When you have people who are voting ahead of election day, there were a lot of states that this was the first time that they did that, including Connecticut, on a on a on a on a large basis, and uh, and that fundamentally changes how and when you communicate with voters uh, and the tools at our disposal to try to mobilize uh, people to vote. Uh, and so there were some uh, additional tools that were provided uh, to campaigns through, uh, you know, vote by mail. And, and there were a, a lot that were taken away uh, because in, in several states, there was a, uh, a, a, a reticence to do door knocking, you know, field campaigns, person to person politics, which is, is really the core of a lot of political experience for people. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, a, that's something that changed dramatically. So with that and with the inability to knock on doors, how does that change a, a mail plan? I would imagine the mail plan becomes more robust, but then you're also dealing with different deadlines, uh, a USPS issue, uh, several different factors that were difficult. Right. And, and, you know, and the Postal Service issue was something that like, and we were very sensitive to that, obviously, because that's, that's how we communicate with voters. Uh, and, uh, and so we took a, a number of steps to try to uh, uh, expand our, our tracking capabilities to, to track how, how, how fast pieces move through the mail stream and, and whatnot. And we, we did find, uh, you know, what we found was there was no change in uh, depending on where we actually deliver the mail. But if we were to, you know, uh, deliver the mail to a post office in a statewide uh, uh, campaign, we did work in Pennsylvania. Uh, and, and there was a real difference if we mailed it from Philadelphia, it took a long time to get to Pittsburgh, actually, uh, much longer than it norm ordinarily would. So we had to make a lot of adjustments there. But, but, you know, mail and digital communication became 
uh, and, and television uh, as well. Like all those forms of communication that that uh, that that dealt with people, you know, being in their homes, uh, became more critical uh, and more important. And to compensate for the lack of, uh, of of any personal outreach, you know, there weren't rallies. There were drive-in, you know, car rallies that that campaigns did. Uh, you know, there weren't any, you know, in-person uh, rallies like that. There were a lot of states uh, where people, as I mentioned, didn't go out and knock on doors. Uh, and, and so to compensate for that, we had to expand how we were communicating in the mailbox and communicating digitally. Uh, and, and there was one, uh, you know, Nielsen did a study, I think it was in the summer, uh, that, that reported that, 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 you know, people's home screen usage, you know, television and, and, and internet was up 60%. Because people were at home, they weren't, you know, people were out of jobs. I mean, this is, it's terrible, but, uh, but you had more of a captive audience for all of these, these forms of communication. Uh, and, uh, and, and it did impact the when, uh, you know, in these states that, uh, that were mail, you know, uh, voting by mail for the first time, or even in some states that had voted by mail for years, there was a, a, a greater percentage. I mean, California is an example that, you know, everybody was mailed a ballot. Uh, this year, which had never been done before in California. I mean, you know, in, in the past, it's been about 70 to 75% of the vote has been through the mail. So it's almost everybody, but it's not everybody. Uh, and that changed, uh, uh, you know, our schedule, but it also changed who voted uh, and had a, a huge impact on, uh, on the outcomes of these elections. Wow. So, and when you talk about Pennsylvania, so with those big six states in a presidential year, how was the, the mail schedule different in those states versus others where you may not have as much activity from the top of the ticket? In terms of the mail, like it, it didn't, I, I, I wouldn't say that it was a, there was a tremendous difference. Uh, it, it was a, a, a question of the, of, of the width of how broad uh, that, that, that people needed to be to communicate because there were in, in states like those that had a lot of activity happening from up and down the, up and down the ballot. Uh, you also had, uh, uh, you know, these these media markets were just super crowded, uh, and uh, and people were beginning to tune out the television. People were getting pummeled with digital advertising, uh, and so for our medium in indirect mail, what we uh, what we needed to do is to make sure that we're get we're we're we're, we're talking to enough people uh, to be persuasive. We have an objective to persuade people. For example, we, we needed to make sure that we were we were getting to a level of, uh, of 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 the vote that was going to predict the outcome of in terms of turnout, uh, and which was much higher this year than it ever has been before. And there, you know, you can read any a number of reports on that. But uh, but we needed to make sure that we were getting you know breadth uh, in, in terms of our target. And you know, in the in in you know, ordinarily mail in a, in a campaign that is a big campaign like that, that has a, a lot of television advertising, we're a supplemental communicator and, uh, and we're picking out a, a target uh, and we're trying to move that target. And, uh, and, and that target tends to be relatively narrow for budgeting purposes. But in this cycle where we could, we expanded that because people were where, you know, in those in states like that, where there was a lot of communication, we did race, you know, work in North Carolina, for example, where there was just, you know, the Senate race or the governor's race, there was a presidential race happening. And so we needed to make sure that our target was wide enough, were broad enough, 
um, to, uh, to to deliver a message effectively because people were were either not were just were, were tuning out the ads because there were just too many of them. Did you find that with an expand an expansion of the absentee ballot program in some states like Connecticut, others were able to do different things based on the state laws. Did you find that you had to move up the schedule for particular demographics versus others? Therefore, kind of bulk mail maybe took a bit of a backseat relative to other states? The way it ended up happening, in part because of the uh, President Trump's railing against mail ballots, um, the place, the states that, like Connecticut, that were really first-time adopters of a, of a, of a no-fault, you know, like no reason, no excuse to vote by mail, where anybody could apply uh, and, and vote absentee this year, um, that, uh, and, and this, this bore out in, in Connecticut, uh, as it did in Pennsylvania and Michigan, for example, and you saw these election results, everybody sat up and watched, you know, CNN or MSNBC or Fox or whatever, you know, watching through the night and through the last, you know, through the three or four days after the election to see these returns come in and, uh, and these mail ballots being heavily democratic. Um, and, and the same thing happened in Connecticut, where you know it was the it was the Democrats who were willing to go out and 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 wanted to be safe and stay away from stay, stay away from crowds on election day, uh, and were and were you know putting their trust in uh, in government to count their votes, which every you know which all the votes got counted, um, but uh, but that that voted by mail, um, and Republicans who who didn't, and so the the partisan differential in terms of who applied for an for an absentee ballot was extreme uh and uh and and so um it, it did have a, a, an impact on our on our thinking first of all on on how do how do we recruit more democrats who may be unlikely to vote to vote by mail because that option exists now in a state like that that didn't before uh and then two um you know like who is it that is voting by mail that uh that we we you know we weren't expecting to vote so we're making sure that we're communicating with them uh, and then, and then, and then three, making sure that we're we're, we're solidifying, we're, we're kind of we're getting our message out, uh, and establishing what the contrast is, or what what the what the brand is for our candidate in those races much earlier, um, because the ballots are being mailed out. I mean, in North Carolina, ballots were mailed out in early September, uh, and uh, so that was you know people had ballots in hand in the first week of September. In, in North Carolina, uh, you know, Pennsylvania was 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 different. All these states have different schedules, um, but you had to take that into account to say, okay, that's you know, it, we we do a lot of work in in the West and in other states that are traditionally vote by mail. Some that are Colorado that, that has been all mail now for cycles, and Oregon has been all mail for 20 years. Um, but uh, but those those places, you need to treat the the day that ballots are mailed like it's election day, and then you have this four week long or three week long or whatever it is, voting window. Uh, and, uh, and so you need to establish your message by the time people get their ballots. Uh, the, you know, the percentage share in, in, in places like Connecticut wasn't as high. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't 60, 70% of the vote was coming in by mail, but it was much more than it used to be. And so we had to, to make sure that we did that. Uh, and then we, we have this voting window period where we know these people have a ballot and we're communicating with them. Uh, but we also know these other people, we expect them to vote at the polls and where we need to communicate with them. Interesting. So you've got on one hand, a, a difficult change up in the way when and where people are voting. Uh, on another, you kind of have the campaign, right? And I know you spend a ton of time in a normal year, especially an on year, 
uh, traveling and, and meeting with campaigns, getting to see up close the candidate and how the campaigns are, are working together. But obviously that process becomes really fractured when one, you can't travel, but two, these campaigns aren't working in the same place for the most part. Talk a little bit about those dynamics, what you saw this year. Yeah, I mean, COVID really changed the energy and the, you know, the connections around, around these campaigns, which, it, which it, you know, I mean, this is not unlike uh, you know, life at large, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of, uh, you know, kind of Hollywood image of a, of a campaign of like a bunch of, you know, phones ringing and, uh, you know, people in one small, you know, in one place buzzing about and everything like that, uh, which is, which, which happens uh, in real life uh, in, a, in a lot of places where there's just a lot of activity going on. Volunteers are coming in and out. Uh, you know, people are being dispatched. There's a lot of energy and connection about that. That's just human, you know, this feed, you know, fueled by human interaction. That wasn't happening uh, in the campaigns and, can, and, and campaigns that were um, organizing in one place, let's say a campaign of five staff that were in the same place, they were all, they're all masked, they're, they're being, you know, they're taking precautions and, uh, and, and being safe. Um, but, but, you know, what happened with us as practitioners, um, yeah, you're, you're right. Ordinarily, I'd be out on the road. I'd be, I'd be, you know, going to visit these campaigns. I'd be working with the candidates in person doing debate prep or something like that. And that, all of that was, was handled just like you and I are talking now over a computer. Uh, and there were some candidates I, I worked with and, and spent a lot of time you know, on the phone or on Zoom with that I've never met in person. Uh, I mean, literally like brought, got brought into the campaign post COVID. Uh, and so these were people that I've, I'd never met in, you know, face to face in person, just all virtually over a screen. Uh, so it, 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 I think, you know, it is a, there was a, um, what was, you know, there's a family benefit to it. Sure. Like I'm here and my, I'm with my, my wife and my kids, which is great. I love that. I'm working in the house, you know, I'm not, I haven't been in my office in months. Uh, and so I'm in this little makeshift space here. It's like shared with, uh, you know, some workout stuff and, and, and things, but, um, but I, uh, um, what, you know, the downside was that I, I, I couldn't really feel, you know, what was happening on these races. I couldn't be there. I couldn't be in, like, there's just a lot that happens in those, Personal, personal interactions that uh, it's hard to make up for uh, over the phone or, or over Zoom. Now you're looking at 2021 and uh, looking to go into another election cycle where you're likely to have some of the same restrictions that you had this November. Um, what are you telling or, or advising campaigns or candidates as they look to go into an election cycle with one under your belt and building their strategy? What, Kind of tactics change, timelines, etc. Um, sure, I, the you know the digital organizing aspect became uh, much a much bigger deal. Uh, you know, having having staff, having people who are dedicated to social media management and organizing, uh, almost like a you know field staff, but but they don't you know they they interact with people only online, and uh, and that. You know that aspect was is is critical, and that's an early you know depending on the size and scope of an, of, of a campaign that that should be an early hire, uh, an early focus to build from the bottom up. Um, but the one thing that that is a uh, and this is always going to be delicate, based on the state and the restrictions in the state, and it's difficult to uh, 
to, to do depending on how the perception is of, you know, Democrats, like I work for Democrats. And so in, in California, for example, we, our campaigns did not do any canvassing, any door-to-door canvassing, um, because the, the thought was it, it you know, the, the, the negative reaction to Democrats doing that being seen as hypocritical, uh, you know, when, when Democrats are in control of most of the levers of government in the state and uh, move fast to try to limit uh, the spread of COVID with, you know, stay-at-home restrictions. And now they're back in it, actually. LA County and, and others have, have regional restrictions and stay-at-home uh, rules. But, uh, but the, uh, you know, I mean, you saw Governor Newsom get really, you know, criticized widely uh, in the media for, uh, you know, in attending a small dinner um, because of the, the allegation of hypocrisy. So there was a lot of sensitivity about that. Um, in, uh, in Connecticut, um, Democratic campaigns develop protocols, uh, you know, safe protocols. And, 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 and I would say, first of all, Republicans um, in every state we worked in went out and knocked on doors uh, and, and canvassed. Uh, and they had their own way of doing it. They had, you know, and I don't, you know, it's hard to say. I think some of these people were, were, were uh, uh, you know, uh, calling mass a, a political thing. But, but still, like they, they had protocols, and uh, and in Connecticut, the Democratic campaigns developed their own protocols, and they would would go out and they'd knock, they'd step backs, you know, six to ten feet or so. Uh, everyone be, would be masked, and they would they would still be able to engage with people at the door. And uh, and in Connecticut, Democrats beat incumbent Republicans. In California, that didn't happen. Uh, in 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 most in most places, the only places that did happen were they, you know, were, were places that were, were, were Democrats wildly outspent Republicans. Uh, and Republicans picked up four congressional seats in, uh, uh, in California. Those congressional campaigns, those Democrats didn't knock on any doors. Uh, so that's something that I think we need to face now. We're, you know, I mean, we're certainly hoping that, uh, uh, that these vaccines are effective or distributed well and everything. And, uh, and we get to a point in time, this election cycle that we're not uh, in the same position for the even year for 2022 for most of the campaigns. But a lot of people have, we have, uh, you know, people who have elections coming up in, in uh, you know, in March uh, in some states and, uh, and they're, you know, operating under the same kind of tight, uh, uh, you know, restrictions. And uh, and that's something I think campaigns need to need to face and have a real conversation about, um, because in terms of the the eff- effectiveness, I mean, still while it's as a campaign tactic, um, it's the least efficient way of communicating because you still have to get somebody at the door. You have to have a human being go out there and knock on the door. It's the most effective uh, in terms of its persuasive. Uh, uh, impact that having a face-to-face conversation is still more effective, uh, and you want to have that. Uh, and I think that's that was something that was missing. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that would have made up a difference of five percentage points or or, or whatever uh, a race may have lost by. But we had campaigns who who, who won or lost by uh, less than a hundred votes in some places. That absolutely makes a difference in a in a close race, whether or not you're 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 talking to people face to face. Interesting. So, I mean, even in Connecticut, where, um, where we're based out of, I, I went and knocked on doors with our good friend James Maroney a few times. And 
I, I anticipated folks being very hesitant to have a conversation or to even answer the door. Um, and people were very safe when they did answer the door, but the contact rate was much higher than, than I, would have, I would have thought. And people wanted to have that in a, at a safe distance, mask wearing, but people wanted to have that, that communication. And I think to your point, looking at the, uh, the upcoming off year cycle will be interesting. It's true. And, and look, and that's, and that's part of this, you know, life in COVID where people just don't have the same sort of personal connections. Uh, you know, they feel restricted. They feel, you know, uh, some people feel a little bit caged up in their house. And, uh, and that's where you're, you, you're, you get a lot of tension on these, these stay at home rules or you get tension on, uh, on closures and, and things because people just, people crave personal connection. That's just part of being a human being. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's something you get out of, like, and we had a lot, you know, what we, what a lot of our, can, our candidates did, and I would recommend this again, uh, is, is doing a, a high quality phone calls from volunteers and from the candidate to be doing check-ins, to be having longer conversations, to not be trying to hustle through a list, uh, you know, when they're calling, when they're calling voters on the phone to have a, a, a more of a quality conversation to spend a little bit more time asking people how they're doing and, uh, uh, and, and make it more personal because that's going to be more memorable to that, to that individual, to that voter. Um, but, but still that face, there's, you, you, it just still doesn't equal a face-to-face -face interaction. Well, and, and you talk about March elections, how do you, and look, November election, you've got a presidential top of the ticket people are churning out at larger percentages just naturally, um, specifically in such a polarized election like we just had. But you're looking at March 2021, an election. I mean, what do you see for turnout? And and how? And with that in mind, how do you change your communication? Um, it, it really depends on the method of voting. So that's like we're, we're encountering this in a special election uh, in another state is like, is the question, the question is, is everybody going to get mailed a ballot? Uh, because if everyone is going to get mailed a ballot, the turnout is going to be three or four or five times higher than if they don't. Uh, and uh, and so that's something that you know is the number one thing to to take into account. And then if everyone does, then we're back to what I talked about having that election day being the day the ballots are mailed. Uh, and uh, and then you have a voting window that ends on a certain time. You know, there's no traditional election day then. Uh, so you have to adjust all of your, your, you know, all the timing of your communication, how you're reaching out to these voters, uh, and you're, but you're also being presented an opportunity in those cases, depending on the nature of the race, uh, to say, okay, if I have a, you know, a, a, let's say a, a two-person race and one's a, a, an older white male and another is like a young Latina or something like that, and the district is, composition of the district is kind of mixed. Uh, you, you have a real opportunity for, let's say, that younger Latina to really mobilize younger voters and, and you know, Latino voters, like, et cetera, uh, people who would be in her, in her uh, uh, corner uh, to mail their ballots back. Uh, and so you, you have, a, a, you know, an opportunity in those cases. Uh, but uh, but it's, it, it, is, it just depends on how the elections are administered. Great. Akeem, thank you. We are going to go to a quick break and we will be back right after these messages with Akeem Bergman. Win the Future is sponsored in part by Connecticut by the Numbers. If you're looking to learn more about what's happening and why, check out Connecticut by the Numbers, where every number tells a story. 
Connecticut by the Numbers goes beyond the headlines across the state. For Connecticut news that counts, visit ctnumbers.news or follow them at ctnumbers. Welcome back. We're here with Akeem Bergman, the partner at Bergman's Worldling Direct with uh, his partner, Alex Worldling, who's a fantastic guy as well. Uh, Akeem, in terms of administering those elections, are there any states you saw do it well versus some that did it not so well? Um, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> if, if you don't want to share that, by all means, I don't. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's a. Uh, I mean, there are states that just have had more experience uh, at, at at managing absentee ballot processes, and uh, and that have you know a, a longer history of this that that have the you know rules in place about how to manage you know signature verification processes and things. All these things that got a lot of attention, you know, on cable news after the election. Uh, um, you know, uh, and, and as the votes were still being counted, um, you know, because when there's in the mail of ballots, there's a process of verifying that signature. Um, there's also a process of, you know, mailing the ballots out, what sort of data is available uh, to people to know, okay, I know that this person was mailed a ballot or, 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 or whatever. Uh, and there were some states that, that, it, that just, it, because of the the newness of this, uh, the lack of experience, and then just the absolute volume that they were dealing with, that caused delays in places. It caused delays in mailing ballots out. Uh, you know, when they said, oh, it's gonna be mailed out on this day, and it actually, you know, it took a few days longer or, 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 or whatever, because they, they just had more printing that they needed to do than they've ever dealt with before. Um, and then they, you know, it, 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 it had to uh, do with, you know, what, the, what sort of rules were in place ahead of that. Um, in, and how these, you know, ballots are constructed. I mean, the, the ballots are, you know, there were a lot, there's a lot of attention around the, the so-called naked ballot uh, in Pennsylvania, for example, because they had a, this other, you know, this other envelope within, within the outer envelope. And if you don't put it inside the inner envelope, you only put it in the outer envelope, your ballot doesn't count. Um, and so there are all sorts of, you know, education that goes around that. Uh, and, uh, and then there's the, the verification process uh, afterwards. And so it took a long time for some of these places to count um, because in, in, in some states, and this also got a lot of attention, they were prohibited. Republican legislature in Pennsylvania expressly forbid uh, uh, ballots from being tabulated uh, ahead of election day. And that's why that count took so long. It, was, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it was less because of the, the actual administrators of the elect, but they, their hands were tied in, in you know, in, in, in Arizona uh, or, you know, some other places that, that do this regularly, like they were processing ballots as they got them. Uh, you know, they were loading them in, they weren't reporting, you know, nothing was getting shown to anybody, but it was actually going in. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're verifying signatures, all that stuff. And so once the, you know, the eight o'clock hits on election night, like, boom, there's, you know, you, you see what all the, everything up until like a few days before election day, that had been returned was was tabulated and counted. You couldn't do that in Pennsylvania or New York, for example. Like, and that's why it just took so long uh, to do. New York State actually is where where I am. They they wouldn't even allow the the absentee ballots to be open until a week after election day. There there are still there's still I mean there's still a fight happening over a congressional race not far from me here that's separated by twelve votes, um, and, uh, and 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 in part because they just they weren't allowed to start counting the ballots. That's crazy. And so you have this weird thing that happens on election night where the Republican in that case was ahead by 20 points, but that's because most of the Democrats voted by mail. And so their ballots couldn't even be counted until, you know, the last month. 
Wow. Well, speaking of crazy election nights, you were a desk for Gore in 2000, right? My job was was managing a lot of the voter content. But yeah, I was I was part of that process. So so taking the, the feeling that night into account and juxtaposing it against a kind of a crazy election night, obviously a, a not as close of a an election overall at the top of the ticket, but how, what similarities did you see this time around versus that time? Well, it, it's just, I mean, it didn't end, you know, and it was the first <laughs> yeah. time for and a lot of people's experience, you know, I had one friend who, who, who like, you know, went to sleep that night and he woke up and be like, he said, who won? And uh, like, nobody, you know, we're all on a, we're on a plane going to Florida uh, right now. So it's, um, it, you know, the, the fact that it didn't, there wasn't any conclusion uh, was, was certainly similar. Um, you know, there were a lot of similarities, I, I think, in the, uh, um, in the, sort of microscope on the election process on the on the process of administering election uh, elections that happened uh, afterwards you know 37 days in florida i spent and my job was counting was tracking the ballot count was one, one of my jobs so i knew where all the votes were and you know knew where we were where we stood when the supreme court issued the stay uh and uh which was within within, within 100 votes by the way uh gore was at the time um but um, but you have you you have this sort of you know like uncovering and you know cable news is much much more sophisticated now than it was 20 years ago and and you know they they did a, I think there was a, a an excellent a really excellent job done by 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 all the networks about like how this process works what these you know what 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 is a signature verification what you know how these ballots differ and everything. Uh, whereas, you know, in, in, in 2000, it was like, it was brain, you know, people were surprised that this was even a thing. Uh, and, uh, and so there was a, a lot of catch up that people had to do to, to familiarize yourself themselves with like how this works and why are these ballots different? You know, why is this one a scan ballot and these are punch cards? And no, that was what we're dealing with in 2000. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, the, there was a, there was better coverage about it, but there was also better preparation from all sides, from both sides, about what this process was going to be like, uh, and uh, and and even in states that were were, were newer to absentee voting, they uh, they the the you know both sides were were well you know lawyered up, and they had election protection programs, and they had you know a, a, a there was a longer process about you know even even in advance of the election. Uh, you know, the legal fights about what was going to count and what was not going to count and what these ballots are going to be like, et cetera. Uh, and so there was just much more of an awareness of, of how things were going to work afterwards and, and better preparation about, uh, uh, about, you know, having teams of people ready to go. I mean, the, you know, because 20 years ago, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, being serious, like we were in a room in Nashville uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Nick Baldick was a, uh, was in charge of the campaign in Florida, and he's screaming through the speakerphone, "Don't concede!" And Gore's on his way to, you know, just about really ready to get out of the car, actually, when when he was called. Uh, and uh, and then we're figuring out what we're going to do, and we get on a on, on the Lieberman plane, and we fly down there. Like, you know, th this year, the you know the Biden campaign had people organized already in states like that. There was, you know, they had huge teams of people who had already been briefed and prepped, you know, prepared on. What was going to happen after election day? What the obser you know observation process was going to be like? What the challenge processes would be like for these ballots in all these different places? In Florida, we just kind of had to piece it together, uh, basically. Like once we got there, uh, and uh, and and figure out how to how to do it. Crazy.
Well, in, so in, o, in 06, you were with the D-Trip, right? Yes. So I think juxtaposing 06 versus 2020, where 06, there was a sweep and Democrats won overwhelmingly in both uh, the House and the Senate. But looking at 2020, uh, you know, leading up to it, it seemed Democrats were extremely uh, uh, enthusiastic about the potential outcome. Yet it kind of fell 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 a bit short. Uh, what do you what do you attribute that to? I, I think it well, I think it fell a, a lot short. But um, I think you know there was a lot of optimism coming into this. You know, it was a good election cycle for Democrats in 2018, uh, and there was a lot of hope that it would be similar. You know, this is and that's a midterm. You know, midterm in a Republican president's presidency, Democrats typically pick up seats. Midterm in a Democratic presidency, Republicans typically will, will will gain seats. That's just that's a historical kind of you know precedent. Rare that 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 things are are you know are different uh, that way. Um, but uh, there was a lot of hope that 2020 would be like 2008 uh, when when Democrats built on what we did in in, in 2006. But you know the, the you know the, the the difference there is you had Barack Obama running for president uh, in a in a you know open seat, uh, and uh, you had a, a a better playing field for Democrats in terms of the districts, because there were a lot of districts that we would have won in 2006 just ha had we had more belief uh, that that Democrats could have a good cycle, and we had better candidates recruited and better fund you know who were better funded. Uh, so those those. 26 or whatever it seats that you know we won 30 seats in 2006 and then 20 i can't remember the the exact number 25 or, or whatever it was afterwards probably half of those or, or more we would have won into 2006 had we had better candidates in those and so we we had better recruiting in 2008 um the difference this cycle was you know in a presidential year normally it's a little bit a little bit muddy uh, uh, you know, and, and especially with an incumbent on the ballot where, you know, things kind of, you know, are, are a little bit more flat <clears throat> down the ballot, rare for there, be, there, for there to be that 2008 sort of win still at the Democrats back. Uh, and that was like a, you know, also a function of the, you know, frustration after years of Bush, et cetera. Uh, and then the other, the other thing you had this year was this Trump effect of, uh, of mobilizing people, of mobilizing these, these, yeah, really hardcore conservatives to turn out and vote. And, and so we had two things happen down the ballot. You know, one is you have uh, independent minded uh, voters, you know, true independents or moderate Republicans that might be just, you know, done with Trump. And there were a lot of them, uh, you know, particularly in, in suburbs who are better educated. Um, and then you had, uh, and so you had those people who they were voting for Biden. Um, and they voted for Democrats in 2018. They voted for Democrats because they were they were tired of Trump. They didn't. They were they were they were not Trump Republicans uh, or or Trump independents. They but so they voted for Democrats because that was their only way to vote against Trump. This year they have another means to vote against Trump, and his name is Joe Biden, and he's running against Donald Trump. And so they cast that ballot, and then they go down the ballot. You know, they mark that, and then they're okay. Well, what's next? Uh, and then they started thinking, well, wait a second, I don't want, you know, I, I, I want to get rid of Trump, but I don't want Joe Biden to have, you know, carte blanche uh, uh, in, in Washington. And so I'm going to suck it up and vote for this Republican, even though, you know, he's 
corrupt or, or whatever, you know, or whatever, whatever it is that was the, the, the branding that Democrats were trying to apply to that Republican. Um, they didn't like it. You know, they like, we, we did a race against David Schweikert in Arizona and lost by a few points. Wonderful candidate, woman in an emergency position named uh, Hiral Tipperneni uh, was running against him. This is a very Republican district, plus 14 Republicans, you know, in terms of registration. And, uh, and we lost by a few points. We would have won though, uh, you know, had we uh, had a little bit of a better district or had there, you know, there's, there just been a, a, you know, a different impact, like, like had that race happened in 2018, she would be in Congress today. Um, but because there was another outlet for these Republicans to say, well, I'm, I'm voting for, I'm gonna vote for Biden, but you know, I'm gonna suck it up. You know, like the, the negatives on this guy were overwhelming and people didn't like him, but they were willing to eat it and, uh, and, and vote for him because they don't want Joe Biden to do everything. You know, they don't, they're, they're afraid, they're nervous about whatever it is, the, you know, the AOC Democrats taking over or something like that. You know, whatever it is that the Repo that Republicans were messaging was effective in those cases. So you had that happening down the ballot. And then you have a surge of, uh, of Republicans. And I mentioned earlier, you know, the mail ballots like had a huge uh, impact on who voted, uh, you know, I mean, Trump had this, this, you know, vote on election day thing, this, you know, don't, don't trust the mail ballots or whatever, but people were mail ballots. And so uh, there were some precincts in California, for example, that, that voted well over 90% turnout uh, in these, these like more Republican precincts and Democrats had this huge advantage. And so it was like a topsy-turvy sort of thing happened where Democrats had a huge advantage in the early mail ballots. Uh, ordinarily Republicans will mail their ballots back earlier and Democrats are trying to catch up, um, you know? In this cycle, it was, it was totally backwards uh, because of Trump's messaging about voting on election day. And, uh, and you, you had these people who just ordinarily won't vote, uh, who come out to vote for the man. Uh, and, uh, and so that, uh, that in the, the last like, you know, two weeks of rallies and all that stuff, I think that had a real impact. And there wasn't anything that, there wasn't any real dramatic change at the very end. You know, you had these big moments in presidential campaigns, you have these big moments, the debates, right? The first debate was just totally off the rails uh, and was really damaging to Trump. Um, uh, you have other moments that happened that were, that were damaging, but in the last like 10 days, things were just kind of static. Uh, Trump was out there, you know, uh, rolling around doing these big, you know, super spreader rallies. And, uh, you know, you had these you know, Republicans in different states, like posting on all over social media, all these big like caravans that they were doing with their flags and, and everything and their guns. Uh, and, and so you had a lot of energy that he was ginning these people up to, to, to get out and, and damn, they did. Uh, and that had a, had a big impact on the ballot. Interesting. So to take a little bit of a turn here, how many states, I think one thing about people who have worked in campaigns is that they kind of nomad lifestyle at one point or another is uh, um, something that people have a t hard time conceptualizing. But how many states have you lived in throughout your tenure in politics? Have I lived in? Well, qualified lived. Yeah, that's fair. How about we, how about we consider two months? Probably, I'd have to say 10. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at the map above my desk here. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, it could be more than that, actually. I figured that seemed pretty low. Wow. 
what's the craziest, what, what was the most interesting or crazy place that you lived out of, or, or bizarre, if you will? <laughs> bizarre. Uh, I did live in Oklahoma for, a, for an election cycle. Interesting. And that was, you know, I grew up in California, so that was very, very different culturally uh, for, for me. And it was, a, it was a really, it was a fascinating experience, but, uh, but it, that was probably the, you know, there was, a, they did uh, prisoner rodeos back then still. Uh, there was still cockfighting happening, even though like just the year before it had been, you know, a, a, you know outlawed uh, uh, by, by a, a ballot measure, but there were people were still doing it. Uh, so it was, it was a, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. You know, there was a campaign outing to the prison rodeo. I didn't attend, but uh, the, the yeah. staff had a, had a great, great time at it. Interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. So um, you're at home. You, your wife is a fitness instructor, correct? Is that? And, and bo so both of you work out a lot. What's your workout routine like while you're at home? Um, I, I mean, quite quite frankly, I, I spend a, um, I try to spend about a half an hour or, or so uh, in the mornings doing it. And all I just I just have a couple of free weights and I have like a you know, some, some elastic bands basically, uh, to, to use around the house here. Uh, and we have a, an elliptical machine. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my thing. She teaches Zumba among other things and, uh, you know, tries to get me to do that. And I, it's just not something I can do. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Same page. <laughs> totally right. And how has virtual learning been for your kids while you've been home? Uh, you know, that was a struggle for them in the, uh, in the early, like we, they're in school now, uh, and our, the schools are open up here at the, at the moment. And so they, they, they are in school and they were, they're masked all day and they, they, they do as they're, they're outside as much as they can be, but it's getting cold now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a, quite a transition. Uh, and, and so, and that was happening at the same time that I'm here working from home and not in my office. Uh, and so everybody is like on a device in the house, you know, different places and, and there's all sorts of, you know, overlaps and, and, and interruptions and they, um, you know, that, that, you know, and then it's back to this, this kind of what was missing from politics, this, this cycle, that, that personal interaction, which is so important for learning even like they're, you know, kids learn as much from their peers during school as they learn from their teachers uh, and, uh, and just being around other people. Uh, and, and, you know, being face to face with their teachers. And that was, I think, really challenging and, uh, uh, and, and very stressful. And I, and, and I mean, I, you know, hats off to, to the parents who are still managing, managing that now. And, uh, you know, we may be back there soon. Uh, you know, basically the rule is like any, you know, positive test is going to shut down the, uh, the school and everybody's going to go virtual then. So uh, it's like almost, it's almost like a matter of, of, of time each day we're, you know, we're, we're grateful that, you know, people are, are being smart and, uh, and, and safe and, uh, uh, and everything. But, um, you know, that was, it's stressful for kids. Yeah. I can't imagine. Um, how do you feel as a parent about kids being in school right now versus, and with your wife being a former teacher? You know, it, it is, it is a, uh, um, you know, there's some level of risk there, uh, for, for sure. But, uh, but we, uh, you know, we're in touch with, uh, with the school and the teachers every day. They, I, you know, we're, we we got briefed on all their on all the safety protocols and uh, and we talk to the kids on a regular basis about how people are minding them you know and they're 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 pretty uh, sharp and on top of like 
you know, whether, you know, like, and, and reporting if, if some kid isn't doing, you know, isn't wearing their mask uh, like they're supposed to be. Um, but uh, so there's, there's some anxiety there, uh, but there's, there's, it, it's, it's also, I think uh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a risk that you need to weigh, uh, you know, based on the, you know, the value of their education and their experience and like what they're going to, you know, how they're going to learn. Um, and so what we, you know, they, they go there and they come back and we don't, you know, they don't really do anything else, you know, and their, you know, grandparents live around the corner, but we're not going over there. Uh, and so it's a, uh, you know, there's just a lot of precautions that we need to take on top of what we ordinarily would because we're taking them to school and back every day. Got it. Well, Akeem, I can't thank you enough for your time. I don't want to take up any more of it. Any uh, final words you want to you want to provide, or uh, any last minute advice? I, you know, there, like there's a lot of hope. Um, you know, you know, back to politics in this election cycle. That uh, that that you know, there's you know, there's a real opportunity for Democrats to win the Senate uh, in in Georgia. There's a real serious opportunity uh, that that can happen. Um, but but then I think you end up. Then you know, no matter what, this next election cycle is going to be uh, uh, kind of a you know a muddy a muddy sort of a year. You're going to end up with a lot of um, uh, you know even if you know if we're we're back and we're safe and people are vaccinated and you know campaigns can return closer to normal, you're going to have all these brand new districts. Uh, you've got a you know a census process that's going to be delayed. So this is going to be a, a really fascinating election cycle for. You know, people who are involved in politics or watching politics to uh, to you know engage in uh, and see what happens because uh, um, you know Democrats we have a, a thin majority in the U.S. House right now. Um, you know we've got like a you know we built some decent majorities in uh, in the legislature in Connecticut, but like you know those things can change, uh, and uh, um, and so there's there's a, an awful lot of work to do. Well, Akeem, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're the best. Akeem Bergman, episode 13. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Win the Future. Thank you for listening to the Win the Future podcast, sponsored by the strategic communications firm, A Better Campaign. Make sure to visit our website at abettercampaign.com backslash win the future. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of Win the Future.